Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome to worship in the good year of our Lord, 2022. We're going to begin with these words from the psalmist, Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. 
He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord, your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. And the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore.
I've always loved getting to sing that song this time of year, and particularly these lyrics. When on the day the great I am, the faithful and the true, the lamb who was for sinners slain is making all things new. Knowing that we are forgiven, we can be fully honest with ourselves and with God. Let us pray. God, you sent your son to be near us. We confess that we rejected his goodness. We hold on to foolish ways. We project our issues onto each other. We don't love fully as you taught us. Forgive us as we pray silently. God has come near to dwell with us. And so as we receive God's grace offered in Jesus Christ, let us walk in new ways. Let us be Christ's love for this world. Today we begin a new sermon series for the new year on Paul's letter to the Romans. And Lucas and Charles and I are going to invite you all to pick up your Bible at home and to read alongside us, um, to make little notes about what questions you have, what Things inspire you so that we can go on this journey together. We're calling the sermon series Myth-Busting because the letter to Romans is chock full of theological issues for us to explore. And today we're going to begin with the myth that we know who's going to be saved. Read with me Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed... Of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. 
It is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I had to pick a few verses in Romans to summarize the whole letter, these are the verses I would pick. They set up the entire premise for this letter. Paul writes because he has to. He's compelled by the gospel to share this message that Jesus comes to seek and save the lost with everyone. And the righteousness of God, meaning the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the grace of God, it is revealed for everyone so we can live by faith. That's the letter of Romans in a nutshell. God's grace extends to us so that we might live by faith. It seems straightforward, right? It gets complicated though when we follow Paul into the particular social context of his day and then even more so when we try to apply it to our lives, our social construct today. It gets complicated when we try to mix this grace of the gospel that seems so great into our daily living and the letter of God's law. And we have to do this for what is grace apart from the law? What is a need for grace if we are not aware of our own brokenness, our inability to live up to God's will for our lives? We fail every day to live with quite the same kind of righteousness and love that God extends to us. So enter this myth. We know who is saved. Or sometimes in the South, we frame that as we know who's going to heaven. We know who is good with God. We all fall into this myth. Even if we haven't said the words out loud, we've thought there's no way that person is going to heaven. Or we've thought she's gonna be first in line. She's a saint. There seems to be this rubric to follow, even subconsciously, although it's in scripture, it starts with the profession of faith. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And for us Reformed theologians, that's enough. If you proclaim Jesus is Lord with your words, you are saved once and for all by Jesus. In baptism, we renounce sin. We receive the grace of God. We are saved by Jesus. Done. But then life goes on, right? And some would say that you can tell who is really saved by the way we conduct our lives, how we behave. And and this is where it gets complex when we try to determine who is really saved among us. I wish that we could all live in personal vacuums, you know, where it's just me and Jesus. I don't have to care about anyone else's actions. And there are many of us who, who try to say that, who try to say, ah, I know I'm good with God, so I just, I don't even need to worry about figuring about anybody else. But that's not the case. Because we don't live in a vacuum. We are connected to one another. Our actions have consequences that affect one another. And our faith has this calling to be in community with one another. So we can't get off the hook that easy. We can't opt out of the myth altogether. 
We have to be in community with one another and it's our human nature to then just start comparing how we measure up to one another. A week or so ago, I did this test at the gym called the in-body test. Have any of you done that before? No. Thought to be an evangelist for the in-body test. That was not the plan. So it's this scale basically, but you stand on it and you hold your hands out and it sends some sort of electrocurrent something. I'm waiting for my husband to nod his head that I got that incorrect. Sends something through you and then it, it prints out this statistics report. So instead of just your weight, it's got how many pounds of water are inside you, your skeletal muscle mass, and then your body fat percentage, right? So you get all these statistics. And then it goes a step further, and it tells you about each arm and each leg and your trunk. And I mean, I'm just getting all the statistics. Y'all know my first question? How does this compare? First thought. First question. Because we get all these statistics, right? I know where I am, but... How am I supposed to make meaning out of that? How am I supposed to set goals if I don't know how it compares to the people around me? It's human nature to compare. It's my way of figuring out if I'm okay. But God's grace doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And that's why Paul is teaching us in this letter today Paul, he's writing to the early church in Rome, and y'all, I find it fascinating. Paul has never met the people that he writes to. Can y'all believe that? He has never met the people that he writes to. He's heard of them, and he's heard that they have received the gospel of Jesus and that they are doing what we're doing, trying to figure out how does that affect the way that we live. And he's heard gossip. He's heard from others about what, what the tensions are, what the struggles are in that community. And he writes to both Jews and Greeks. And it's significant that he affirms the gospel is for both. It's significant because that information surprises everyone. It surprises the Jews that grace extends to the Greeks because they aren't among the chosen ones of Israel. They aren't the ones the Messiah was coming for. It bugs them. It bugs them that the Greeks don't follow the same rules, Jewish law, that they do. And it surprises the Greeks that the gospel of grace is coming to the Jews because every Jew they meet doesn't really believe the same gospel of grace. Seems hypocritical to them. There's this comparison between the groups. They can't be saved because their story is too different from our story. Because they follow laws that are really different from our laws, or they don't follow laws at all. There's no way the gospel is for them. It's our human instinct to judge people's behaviors as good or bad, to classify it. It, It's the way that we make meaning of our world. It's the way we figure out where we stand. In fact, When we make claims about who is worthy of Christ's gospel, of grace, we are concerned with our own salvation. We are making claims that make sure that the boundaries include us. And Paul makes that messy. 
In the letter to the Romans, he expands God's righteousness beyond our limitations. God's grace is revealed to everyone, he says. And though the Jews and the Greeks live out that faith in varied ways in their response to the truth, it doesn't change the fact that the grace is extended to everyone to live by faith. I find the words of Philippians helpful when thinking about the process of sanctification. Justification is baptism. We are saved once and for all by Jesus. Sanctification is how we live our lives, how we try to be more holy, more in line with God. And let's be clear, we do that for ourselves, not for God. Through this, we are precious in God's sight. Through our actions and coming to church and reading our scripture and praying, we are trying to make God more precious to us. In Philippians, it says that we're all trying to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You and I, we're all trying to work out how to live this life in response to God's grace and fear and trembling. And it's because we are all a mix of sin and grace. And if we're bound by sin, we are hungry for God's grace. And if we are bound by grace, we are curious about the law and structure. We want to get nearer to God. In reality, we are all in this cycle of living both reconciled to God and being quite broken. We are sinful saints. And God's grace is what is constant for us. There's a story that has taught me about God's grace. Eight years ago, a woman by the name of Antoinette was working the front desk of an elementary school outside of Atlanta. And a kid walked into the school with an AK-47 weapon. And he goes into the office and he shoots at the ground. And then he runs outside and back inside and outside, ready to fire at the approaching police. And as soon as he leaves the office, Antoinette, she picks up the phone, right? She calls 911. And when the shooter returns to the office, she starts to talk to him. She learns from him that he's not interested in harming the kids, but he will harm police if they approach him. And there's this recording that I listened to of the phone call in which Antoinette is communicating for the shooter to the police. She asks, what else, sir? He says he doesn't care if he dies. He says he has nothing to live for. Well, at that point, Antoinette does something unexpected. She, she starts to talk to the shooter. She comforts him. She tells him she understands how he's feeling. She said, when my husband left me last year, I wanted to die myself, but look at me. Look at me, today I'm working, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right, sweetie. She tells him she loves him. She's proud of him. In response, he puts his gun down and he lays down on the ground. And she tells them, I'm so proud of you. That's a good thing you're doing, giving up. Everybody goes through something. And then when the police come in, she's yelling at them. He ain't gonna hurt anybody. He ain't armed, he ain't gonna hurt anybody. So now here is a guy that we would universally declare as the enemy. 
Here's a guy whose behavior is destructive and is creating chaos and fear among children. His actions are without a doubt sinful. And yet Antoinette disarms him with love, with comfort. He doesn't deserve her love, and yet she gives it to him freely. Her love is a glimpse, a glimpse of God's grace for us. The disarming grace that pulls us in, sinful saints, no matter the sin that we are grappling with. Each of us is destructive in our own way, in our own lives, in our own homes. And and at every turn, God is responding like Antoinette saying, it's okay, baby, I love you. It's okay, it's gonna be all right. It's good what you're doing, stopping that sin. At every turn, God disarms us with God's love. That's the point of this letter that is grace. So to address the myth, we don't know who is saved. We know God's love is constant to us. God's grace disarms us. And for that I say thanks. Thanks be to God. Amen. If tomorrow is a judgment day And I'm standing on the front line And the Lord asked me what I did with my life I will say I spent it with you If I wake up in World War III I see destruction and poverty And I feel like I want to go home It's okay if you're coming with me Station. It's okay 
If you're sleeping with me As the years they pass us by We see them through each other's eyes And no matter, no matter how old we get It's okay as long as I got you, babe Your love is my love My love is your love It would take an eternity to break us And the chains of our start couldn't hold us Your love is my love And my love is your love It would take an eternity to break us And the chains of our start couldn't hold us if I should die this very day Don't cry cause on earth we wasn't meant to stay And no matter what the people say I'll be waiting for you after judgment day Your love is my love I'm a star, couldn't hold us Your love is my love My love is your love It would take an eternity to break us And the chains of I'm a star couldn't hold us Let us pray. God who creates us, God who redeems us. Your grace for us is sufficient. Help us to know it. Help us to feel it. And your grace compels us to live differently, to live in harmony with our neighbor and within ourselves. So at the start of a new year, when we're focused on shiny new habits or goal setting for the year, remind us that grace is not something we earn. Grace is what we live our lives in response to. Oh God, I pray that you would help us embrace your grace so that we're not afraid to extend it to others. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. During this month of January, as we read Paul's letter to the Romans together, we'll also be exploring different confessions in our faith. 
in the book of confessions. We usually say the Apostles' Creed, but each week we're gonna switch it up. Today's affirmation of faith comes from the confession of 1967. It's built on 2 Corinthians 5. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. And responding to the tumultuous times that were the 1960s, it emphasizes that the church does not exist for our own sake, but for the sake of participating in God's mission in a particular time and space. So please rise and stand with me as we affirm what we believe together. Beloved, what do you believe? We believe that biblical visions and images of the rule of Christ, such as a heavenly city, a father's house, a new heaven and earth, a marriage feast, and an unending day culminate in the image of God's kingdom. The kingdom represents the triumph of God over all that resists his will and disrupts his creation. Already God's reign is present as a ferment in this world, stirring hope in men and preparing the world to receive its ultimate judgment and redemption. With an urgency born of this hope, the church applies itself to present tasks and strives for a better world. It does not identify limited progress with the kingdom of God on earth, nor does it despair in the face of disappointment and defeat. In steadfast hope, the church looks beyond all partial achievement to the final triumph of God. Let us sing together. Oh, 
not ashamed of the gospel, for in it is the power of salvation for all. May you receive God's grace for you. May you live it. As we go from this time of worship together, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.